In the name of God. Since January, when I learned that Glenn Fry, one of the founding members of the rock band, The Eagles, had died, I've had a song in my head. I'm not kidding. Since January, <laughs> one song has been with me as a near daily companion. Now, a word of explanation for those of you not in my age group. Some of us who came of age in the 70s and the 80s had the Eagles playing as an almost constant uh, backdrop to our formative years when we were all learning to play single-stroke guitar and our brains seemed to have this endless capacity to memorize song lyrics. And if we happen to be sitting with you in a car when an Eagles song comes on, we will drive you crazy, singing along and knowing every word to songs like, well, we can do a demonstration right here, I'll start. Take it easy, take it easy. See what I mean? Easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels. We could go on, right? One more. Desperado. See? See what I mean? We can be, yeah, we can be really irritating. But, but actually the song in my head is one that Glenn Frey wrote after the Eagles broke up, and it's called Heart of the Matter, which is a song about a man trying to reconcile the end of a great love. And the refrain goes like this, I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter, but my will is weak and my thoughts seem to scatter, but I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness, even if you don't love me anymore. Well, Holy Week, like no other time, invites us all in one way or another to get down to the heart of the matter, the heart of Christian faith, what we think it's all about. Now, there's this place in the Gospel of John where Jesus says that we can only speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. So we have to ask ourselves what it is that we know and what we've seen. A few years back, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, published a series of lectures that he gave in Holy Week of that year that he could have easily entitled, if he had wanted to, The Heart of the Matter. But he didn't. His title was Tokens of Trust, an Introduction to Christian Belief. And if you're looking for a sort of desperate, I need sermon material for Sunday book, I highly recommend it. Um, and he says this period before Easter is a good time to think about the essentials of what Christians believe. And for Williams, at the heart of the matter, as the title implies, is trust. Christian belief, he says, is about knowing who and what we can trust. Christianity asks you to trust the God it talks about 
before it asks you to sign up for the complete system. And this issue of trust, he suggests, is particularly powerful in an age that suffers from a crisis of trust, when we have so much to be distrustful about, cynical about, in the institutions that shape our lives. You can click them off. Government, multinational corporations, healthcare, education, criminal justice. So where, where do we put our trust? And while Rowan Williams would be the first to acknowledge, and he does, that there's much about our God that we can never know and we're not meant to know, Nonetheless, in the life and death of Jesus and in the ongoing presence of the risen Christ, we catch a glimpse of God's agenda, if you will, God's purpose, and it's simply love. At the heart of everything, he says, even the desperate suffering of the world that we seem helpless to resolve or remove for good, there is in God, this indestructible energy making for love. God always has the capacity, he says, to do something fresh and different, to bring something new out of any situation, which is something worth holding on to. And as you know, this service is set aside as Holy Week begins for all of us to go back to the heart of the matter, to renew the vows that we made or were originally made on our behalf, to place our trust again in God, as the Buddhist would say, to take our refuge in God and to follow in the way of Jesus, which is the way of love in our lives and in the world. Now, as you know, a vow is a sacred promise by which we dedicate ourselves to someone or something larger than we are. And to renew a vow is simply to make that promise again. But to make it now, in the context of our lives now, and in so doing, keep that vow fresh and strong And that's where things get interesting. Because the particular context for each one of us here is unique, depending on how life has changed since we first made our promises or consciously renewed them for the last time. We stand, if we choose to renew our vows now, holding what we hold in our hearts now whatever it is that we're losing sleep over or giving thanks for, what we look forward to or worry about in the future. And sitting next to one another, we can never really know what the renewing of a vow might mean for another or what the cost might be. For some today, this could be an occasion of simple joy and gratitude. Praise God for that. And for others, it could be a time of trial and real struggle. And for still others, it could be simply another day in a season of life and of faith that doesn't have strong emotion to it one way or another. 
That doesn't matter, actually. It doesn't matter to God what brings us here or what we carry. And we can rest assured, each one of us, that the one to whom our hearts are open already knows, already knows what's in our hearts and is simply glad that we're here. And what I'd like to say to you is a simple reminder that the trust goes two ways. That for reasons beyond our understanding, Jesus never seems to lose faith in us. Never ceases to place his trust in us. You remember that story um, often told at Christmas time when the angels are looking down from heaven watching the whole sort of scenario play out and they start to worry and they look over in God and say, well, you know, do you have a plan B? And God says, nope, no plan B. That's the trust God has in us. And one of the things we have to learn over and over again in this life, and frankly can only learn by experience, is how deep and how wide and how strong that love and that trust is in us, and how unconditional. You know, St. Paul writes beautifully about it in all kinds of places, specifically in the letter to the Romans about how nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. But reading the truth isn't the same as experiencing it. And it often comes home to us whenever we have to face into those parts of ourselves or the things that we've done that we consider unlovable or unworthy of trust. And then feel once again this overwhelming love and acceptance precisely in that place, often mediated through the astonishing love or forgiveness of another human being. Back when I was in college, I know this will really surprise you, but I was a very earnest person, had the weight of the world on my shoulders, and I often took on more than I could accomplish, and as a result, I had this series of incomplete tasks and broken promises left behind me like, a, like pig pens, shadows of dust, right? And in my senior year, I had made a commitment to a neighborhood church that I really admired, but I couldn't fulfill that commitment, which embarrassed me and made me ashamed, and so I stopped attending there altogether. And near graduation, it really weighed on my heart, and I knew I had to come clean, so I mustered up all my courage, and I made an appointment to see the pastor, this lovely woman, and I fumbled through my apology, and like the father of the prodigal son, she threw her arms around me just threw her arms around me and tell, told me how it filled her with joy every time she saw me stumble into church and how she completely understood everything that I was saying to her. And I, she was just blessed me and sent me on my way and she gave me a cross to remind me of how much my presence meant to her and how much God loved me. And I tell you, I walked out of that church with my feet off the ground. And that love in the face of what I thought was a moment of unworthiness, stays with me and I pray, allows me from time to time to offer with as little cost as I'm sure as it cost her to do something similar for someone else, you know? When you can just take a burden off of somebody's shoulders that they've been carrying 
and it's weighing them down and keeping them from knowing how beloved they are from God. We have that power, we have that gift, but we have to experience it first. And knowing such loves opens us again. And this is, I'm quoting Williams again. It opens up, he says, opens us to the possibility of an integrated life. Not a life where some bits of us have to be covered up or swept under the carpet. He says, there are parts of my life that I'm aware of, and there are things in my life, you know, things of my life that I'm not aware of, and then there are the things of my life that I'm aware of, but I try not to be aware of, that I'm ashamed of or frightened by. But all that I am is the working out of what God has made and who God has called, hear this, who God has called into a dedicated life, a life under a vow. And some of this life, you know, has worked out pretty well. Some of it not so well. I've learned to make good use of some of what God has given me and I've made a mess of some of the rest and there's a whole bunch that I haven't even come to terms with. But all of it is whom God loves and whom God has called. It's not to say that everything you and I do is just fine with God because we know that that's not true. But that every aspect of who we are is known and loved and called by God in Christ. So as we renew our vows today, I hope we can take just one deeper step into that multifaceted complexity of who God calls us to be and to, and to live and to celebrate the contradictions and the messiness and the bits of grandeur that come sparkling through the garbage and the, the surprises that can catch us unaware. I, been thinking about that line from Chariots of Fire, you know, when Ed, Ed, Ed Lydell, I think is how you pronounce it, the, the missionary slash runner who says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. So before he goes off to be a missionary, he wins a gold medal. How wonderful. I feel God's pleasure in who I am. And in similar ways, all those things for which we are ashamed, the wrongs we've done or that have been done to us, you know as well as I, they can be transformed by the power and love and forgiveness of God. You remember what Jesus said to Simon Peter three times. Do you love me? To, to take away the shame of his denial? That's the heart of it, the heart of the matter. It's forgiveness. And it's acceptance. And it's love. May, may we be set free this week. And in our freedom, extend freedom. May we know love this week and in our love, extend love. May we be reconciled this week and in our reconciled state, show reconciliation, be reconciliation, 
one step, one person, one opportunity at a time. And so, be the ones called fully, completely, totally called to live the life under the vows which we are privileged to take and to renew on this day. Amen.